0: One before, so
1: what? Why are you reading that one?
0: Just gotta keep your mind sharp. Gotta read something above your level.
1: Eric Vogelman, man, he is he's he's insane.
0: Yeah, I mean he, the guys guys a, a like a next level scholar.
1: Yeah, man. I think so. academics have to be like, wait a second, what, yeah. what just happened?
0: So, but I was try and grab a book, you know, a couple times a year that I know. Is just too hard, you know, (laughs) to make you to (laughs) To admit that you have to concentrate. Well, then
1: why am I reading Eric Vogelin? if you're like, oh, it's too hard? I I
0: get, I gave you you uh, science, politics, and Gnosticism, which is kind of his popularization. Yeah, I I know it's funny because that's his that's his version of a popularization because he's got a longer version of that book. Uh,
1: yeah, that's the blue. So I have one that's like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you have the one and it's got both of them in it. The the longer. Academic version and then the popularized version. But even his popularized stuff is, it's just hard. He's, cause he's, he's dealing, he's dealing in specialized vocabulary. He, then he, it's unrecognizable to him. But then he's also kind of, he's trying to look at, he, he's, he's trying to disassemble the assumptions. Of a, the culture. Look at the thinking of look, the culture. Look at the thinking of a culture, and so you're. It, it's hard to turn your eyes in on yourself, and that's <laughs> what he's trying. He's trying to kind of hold up the mirror and say, "Turn your eyes in on yourself," and and we don't we don't do that well. Uh, I mean, it, it, nobody does that well. It's hard. There's not. You're all. You always end up having to c- c- talk about the way you use words is hard because you have to use words to talk about the way you use words. So it it's an it's so it's always just a little bit of a stretch. So all right, so you know the
1: number one requested thing that I get when that? we do a show no matter and it, it's it's all over YouTube, it's on um inst, uh, even Instagram, yeah. And but mostly people when they see me. By the way, guy, a shout out real quick to Kyle and Heather who were just in town. Um, and they came in for James White because he was in the studio with us for Cross Politic. They came, I think they just came in just to hang out. I think they're having their 10 year anniversary, if <laughs> I remember correctly. Awesome. And she's pregnant with their fourth child. That's exciting. But here's what's really crazy they actually like the show, they actually like whatever this is. <laughs> and they said it was probably the most underrated podcast out there. And I just want to say, God bless them. Amen. I mean, and you know. That baby. Yeah. I mean, come on, man.
0: You could probably name it David Jason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> DJ? DJ, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't think it's that good of a podcast. <laughs> no, man, they were, it was It was very encouraging because we just sit here and, again, you're helping me learn. Um, because... Of what I do With cross politics, What I do with Going on other shows And just talking You're helping me learn Like I'm seeing As a filmmaker really So as a filmmaker I feel like it's my biggest tool My biggest weapon um, And so when I get to make films I am directing The narrative Directing right. the story yeah. Directing um, What people are saying But what they really Are trying to get at What they really really mean Right like that's That's part of my craft So this is kind of helping me I'm I'm getting the feedback here I don't know where it's coming from it's like a headset or something. Anyway, I, 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 you probably won't be able to hear it. Hear yeah. It. But, so shout out to them. But the number one thing that people ask me about is book list.
0: Really? That's
1: it. Everybody wants a book list. Yeah. And we don't have it anywhere. Yeah,
0: yeah we, we could start putting one together. The problem is my book list will get really long. I don't think they care. They don't care. Okay. Do you
1: know how many books I bought since we started talking? <laughs> Literally, like I can go to my Amazon. Hold on, yeah. I'm going to do this. This is crazy cuz I need and to see if the other book is here the, too. The
0: the thing that the thing that more and more I'm realizing is the books that have helped me the most, most of them have gone out of print. And so now you've got Amazon too. So man, I Amazon is such a huge blessing, but I used to hunt through You know, I'd have a list of books I was looking for that I'd find in footnotes, and then go to used bookstores and hunt for them. Go to Powell's in Portland with a list, and and that's where that's where I got this one. Powell's in Portland. Okay, piles. Powell's. Powell's. It's it's the. It. it, I don't know if it still is. It was the largest bookstore on the West Coast for a long time.
1: Okay, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go.
0: (laughs) But this was back before you know you could just get stuff on Amazon anything you wanted, right? And so I'd have this list of things I'd find in footnotes. And then, so I found this one. I was really excited because it's out of print and, and uh, um, it just sh- shift, you know, the, those are some of the books where you have somebody that lives through a transition in society and is looking at it happen and is able to compare the new thing to what it was like before, right? So you've got this, this one, it's the older Dutch pastor, this book, uh, the idea of of office, this is the one I sent you this week.
1: Yeah, hold on. So here, so here's I'm going back through my list right now on <laughs> um, uh, Amazon, and I'm just grabbing all the grabbing all the books. <laughs> okay, I think you told me about After Virtue.
0: So at least I imagine so.
1: A study in moral. Uh, let me see what's a study in morality. After Virtue. Toby told me about Up from Liberalism, so that wasn't you, so I don't blame that one on you. <laughs> um but I know when that started getting crazy. And then I got Counter craft and that was um James Lindsay, co-authored that book. Love and the Body, you told me to get. Yep. Love and the Body was you. Um, The Common Mind.
0: Yeah, that's a great book.
1: Yeah. See, I'm see, I'm gonna do this right now so people can be <laughs> like, what? Because I know they're writing them down. The Common Mind, Politics, Society, and Christian Humanism from Thomas More to Russell Kirk.
0: Yep. Yeah. Great book. And then um let's see where else I got.
1: That's hot. That's my son's. The New England Pulpit. Uh The New England What is this? Gotta jump inside of here to, to go read all the titles on the full title. Okay. The New England Pulpit and the American Revolution. When American pastors preached politics, resisted tyranny, and founded a nation on the Bible. <laughs> wow, what a title. That's a Puritanical <laughs> title if I heard one.
0: Um, yeah, the Puritans like the long titles.
1: I think it was Jarrett Longshore, but that might have been you too, because I bought it because it Reform Ethics um, from uh, Bavik. Oh, Bav- for I have, Bavik. I've
0: read Bavik, but I haven't read that one. So
1: then that was Jarrett Longshore. That was not on you.
0: Bobbing stuff on metaphysics is really interesting.
1: And then, this is when it got heavy. The Divine Comedy, part one, oh, yeah. part two, part three. The One and the Many by yep. Rush Dooney.
0: Necessities. Yep.
1: Um, the New Radicalism in America.
0: Ooh, I haven't read that one. That that one wasn't me. But that sounds Are you sure? Yeah. 1889 to
1: 1963 by Christopher Leach. Oh, it was C.R. Wiley. Okay. That one wasn't you. But people are just getting all these good books yeah. right now. Uh, the other one was Calvin, Calvin's Doctrine in the Word.
0: Yep. That's Wallace. That one is
1: absolutely amazing. Um, okay. I got to throw in one for my guy, Joe Boot, ruler of kings. <laughs> Might as well just grab <laughs> yep. that one too. Um, studies in Words.
0: Yeah. C.S. Lewis. C.S.
1: Lewis. Yep. Um, and this one, this one I bought, I just bought you this one, the medical physical, the metaphysical foundation yeah. of American history. Um, that was from actually David Fowler, right?
0: You didn't just buy me this one. You just got me a signed copy of this A signed this one. copy of that one. I don't I'm even excited. know how. i um, What else do we have? It smells like a bookstore. It's
1: nice. <laughs> from Office to Profession.
0: Yeah, that one's fantastic. It's really helpful.
1: Um, Preaching with Confidence
0: James Dane
1: The Grave Digger Files Os Guinness That's a must And this one This one is This one was huge Modern Times Revisited Yeah um, By uh, Paul Johnson Paul Johnson And then I got Everything else from Paul Johnson too. A History of American People By Paul Johnson Intellectuals from Marx To yeah.
0: That one's eye opening That one walks through The biography Of a bunch of Of the people That have set The vocabulary of the current conversation that we're in. So mm. you kind of learn the learn what it's their short biographies, but it's surprising, you know, because you, you'll hear people sometimes say that there is a fallacy to say, well, if you know somebody's biography, then you know where their ideas came from. And you can't necessarily in a straightforward way, judge ideas according to their biography at the same time wisdom is known by its fruit right if you've got somebody who is a drunk and they write everything drunk mm. and then you take it seriously like he, so like somebody that wrote sober you've got you, you've you've missed the point of there's there's wisdom that you need to find there mm. so yeah that um, there's another uh one by E Michael Jones that Fills out that question, but that uh, I'll have to. I'll I'll put it on the book list when I put the, it together. You know,
1: you know, I think you need to do a book club.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, just tell people here's what I'm reading. Jump in, let's read it together. Yeah, I would. I would.
1: I'd pay for that. Oh, Matt, that was the other thing that that Kyle and Heather said that that um that uh, thanks Neil for. I don't know what it is, but it's just I hear it buzzing from somewhere and it's just driving me nuts <laughs> and i can't think what hearing the anyway um but they they said they signed up for every um fight laugh feast class that we we put on like master class yeah and they said they took yours and they said it was phenomenal oh okay. and they said the title was not was was horrible
0: um <laughs> i tried they I, didn't say I, that part. i changed the title of To what you wanted me to. What what was the title? I don't know. From Pen to Heart, I think, is what you ended up. That's a great title. What are
1: they talking about? I don't know. Kyle (laughs) and Heather, you guys are wrong. (laughs) I thought you came up with the title. But anyway, they said the title was horrible. Or they said the title was lacking. You would never think that the class would be that broad and that wide because of the title. Yeah. And I think we were probably being too poetic. I'm sorry. I was being too poetic. <laughs>
0: and I think I just called it like screenwriting with Jason Farley or something. <laughs> so you were like, no, no, that's a bad name. <laughs> no, no, we're not doing that.
1: And then so, but they said they took those. And I was thinking, I was like, well, we, what you should do is, you know, take and create a class where I think you kind of go through these processes of uh, Gnosticism and Work it out to our current thought Or maybe like modern American thought The development of Or Maybe in conversation with modern American thought Or something like that And track from You know the establishment of America All the way to our current Time right now Like a historical class Yeah I would take That's kind of what we're doing here
0: (laughs) Yeah Right And so Except we're I mean Here's the deal is Anything Like Everything I kind of take the shotgun approach to. Like, here's a bunch of examples of this thing. Let's talk around and through. And I'm not very good at that, like linear.
1: Well, then we should <laughs> do it together. Then, because here, then I can I can set up the. the I'm a director. I can yeah, set up right, the linear right. process, and then we can just kind of punch through it. Because so here here's the book that you we last time we talked. um, There's there's these last two things have really been really interesting for me. So we went through the legal realities of what Christ had did through Melchizedek, Right. right? Yeah, and in that process, you basically took an axe to Gnosticism, Christian Gnosticism, and rebuilt that house. Like you just took out all the mold. (laughs) right
0: and all the mildew that was stinking the the leviticus 14 yeah that is
1: exactly what that's exactly what happened leviticus 14 bro and you went through it and you just gutted that joker out and and then you came back and said okay it's clean (laughs) but
0: yeah what are we actually building what are we
1: building what do we fill it with because if you don't fill it with anything this was the next episode that we did you basically are going to get um how it was uh who was it that was talking about this? Now I can't remember the name, but um uh, it wasn't Vogelland. Oh, uh, It was what we, did he call it? Violence? Neurotic uh, oh, erotic, Walker Percy, Walker, Walker, yeah, yeah, Percy. yeah. Right. You get
0: the you get the, the er- possession of violence. a culture by a different spirit. Right. Right. And, right. Yeah.
1: And so the house is clean, but we got to put something in the house, right? Right, So yeah. erotic violence is the word I was looking for, Walker Percy. I don't know why I could, I got this book right here. Yeah. Couldn't remember him. And it was, and so it's really interesting that it feels like that this is going to another place. And one of the things that we kind of settled inside of the last episode was offices. You really spend a lot yeah. of time dealing with offices. And I've as we're talking off the phone, we'll have just as long conversations on the phone about this. And, and you're like, I don't think we have any concept of offices. And so you kind of walk through offices back then and through that. And then you got this book.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And then I realized like, Oh, well I remember where I, I came across this uh, laid out for the first time. And it's this book, the idea of office. It's a little tiny book. It's less than a hundred pages. Um, K. Sietzma, it's just a Dutch pastor uh writing in the fifties and um and he was living through Can I see? the the loss of the idea of, of offices. And so we talked through kind of the metaphysical reason that the idea of an office of a true real authority in the world was undercut by the growing Gnosticism. And so we walked through that. Um, but he actually just walks through what, what is it that's being actually lost in, when, as he looks around? What is it that's being lost, uh, as, as the offices are undermined and disappear and dissolved, really? It's not, cause it's not like people even necessarily set out and said, I'm going to go destroy this office or that office. It was just dissolved. The, the the offices were dissolved. The authority, the weight of the offices was dissolved over the course of generations. No longer believing in the reality of them, we're starting to think. So
1: yeah, it's it chipped away at the. It's like termites after while. Yeah, yeah. But what was and so that termite was
0: well, the, the termite was a a a gnosticism that equated the economic realities with, uh, with ontological realities. So the idea yeah. that an office holds is that there's a real authority that a person steps into mm-hmm. and wears the office or wears the authority, not because they're ontologically superior, but because they've been put into that position. Um, they've been, and, and, you know, the, that that office holds an authority. Uh, that doesn't depend upon the ontological superiority of the person holding it. Mm-hmm. So it's an, it's an office that, so how, how is it that a judge can make legal decisions on behalf of a city, on behalf of a state? He can be the one that represents the state. Well, it's because the office of judge is one that he wears and that's why he puts a robe on right he wears the office he wears the robe um and so he he isn't ontologically superior um but the office is uh does hold a real authority in the world uh, and at, but th- just about the only office that's left is judge right because coercive power is the only thing that's still recognized
1: well the only offices that are held right now that people observe are political
0: offices yeah well and judge has become a political office so it wasn't considered a political office before right it's a legal office ah
1: people actually don't make a separation we don't make the distinction yeah you, you know what that's a really good distinction. Dis, dis, distinguish the two between, because I think when people hear politics and they hear, um, they hear politics, they hear laws, right? And yep. those two things. So the legality and because you have legislators who are making laws and then you have judges over here. And so they're kind of all merged together through the legislature. Matter of fact, Ketanji Brown Jackson was complaining at her hearing. They were mad at her for some of the uh lenient judgments that she has towards p- uh, potential pedophiles or pedophiles. And she said, "Your your Congress has not given me any sort of strict standard to follow. So if you're mad at me for following, right? You know, so the whole yeah. thing kind of got blurry where no one was responsible at that point, except for legislation, you know, <laughs> so, so, so separate, separate those two, because I think those people think of those politics and it's judges.
0: Right. Yeah. So it, the, the, po- the political authority is a uh, representative and it's rep, but it's representative of the people. Right. And, um, in a Christian understanding, it's also representative of God, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's a dual representation. Just you know, just like a pastor um, is a dual representative, it's a representative of the people towards God, representative of God towards the people. Uh, the but a judge is a representative of God and the law, right? So the jury is the representatives; they're the representatives of the city. So when they come in. They're, they're making judgments on behalf of the city. The judge is the, is the sitting representative of the law, not of the city, right? So it's a polit, it's not, they're, it's uh, still a representative office, but it's not representative of us, right? The judge isn't, so a political office is representative Mm. of the people, whereas a, a, a legal office is representative of the law, right? So, um, you know, this is the Lex Rex, um, rex lex debate is the law king over the king or is the king over the law well the king is a representative of the people and there and therefore the law is over the king now in the ancient world you also had a mixture because the king was also a judge often right but he had to be able a wise king was able to pull those two offices uh, a part in practice, even though he held both of them right so that's why you get um very complex mm. outfits uh f- that a very complex robes, different things because each part of the robe represents different parts of the office or different offices held by the same person right so you know in the in the ancient world you would when a a a king getting dressed had to do with him moving from his private person to his public person. Mm. So his public person holds office is holds these offices. And so, um, each thing that a King would wear was a aspect of his office because he had to put it each on because when he wasn't holding court, he wasn't in, he wasn't exercising, those offices
1: is it fair to say too this is what happened when we see the patriarchy kind of get dissolved we see these offices split
0: yep yeah right so that when the patriarchy is dissolved because they reject joseph right the the patriarchy is dissolved now the the legal reality the the legal inheritor of the patriarchy is still the uh ends up being there because Joseph was never. So the, the code of many colors that he's given is a sign that he is going to become the next patriarch, right? Mm-hmm, it's a robe. Mm-hmm. It's a judge's robe, right? It's a patriarch's robe. Um, and the, so he's the, he's the representative, uh, of god to the people right he's the rainbow that stands between he's the covenantal. Mm. he's he's
1: why have i not ever put that together before oh my right? goodness he's,
0: he he's the rainbow in the sky right? oh he's the
1: covenant mark between he's the, the covenant two. mark oh, my right? goodness. so i'm so stupid he's,
0: he's so it's not just like oh he got a really nice jacket and everybody's has rainbow jealous colors. of it right yeah he's he's the he is chosen even though he's the youngest he's chosen as the covenant representative which is what is older brothers are jealous about i'm so
1: bad right. i'm sorry i'm still stuck
0: at the rainbow why did i not ever
1: see the rainbow
0: it's the poetry of it
1: ah! it's
0: the poetry of history i'm sorry or it's, it's happening live reality, and everybody's right. like duh Knox never saw the ra- i
1: saw the rainbow duh dude like talk all this typology yeah. and you missed it no one ever talks yeah. about the rainbow. well man. i don't know
0: if it i mean yeah it's i guess it's it, it's oh. it's Typology, or it's just it's just reading visually, right? <laughs> no, um, yeah, yeah, it's typology, it's, bro. That's it's
1: what. It, why, it's because
0: we don't read poetry anymore. That's so, true, yeah. and
1: and the fact that when we think, I think it's how we come to the Bible. We come to the Bible to get a bunch of, and, and it's not that we don't need facts or yeah. things that are found, but we're looking for a bunch of, we're looking for something else instead of the, reading the whole story. Right. So when we see the rainbow, we should easily go back to Noah, right? Like that should go ding 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 ding. I, I probably everybody look. I know I'm slower than most. Okay, I get it. So everybody else goes, "Oh yeah, duh." I yeah.
0: didn't. I mean, I I think. I So, I mean, just say we don't learn. We we we're in an illiterate culture. Thanks. So it's not it's not like I mean learning to read is is I think we we equate sound be the ability to sound out letters with learning to read. Mm. When, um, when learning to read is this, you know, it's a lifelong, it's a generational process. And it's really. very yeah.
1: robust. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, when I was reading, you have me, re- oh, By Faith by jay Gresham Machin. That's another book that you put me onto that I have to finish reading. But, you know, he talks about that in there though, that the, re- it's not just learning facts, but facts are extremely important. You have to learn those. But it isn't, it's, it's, very classical. It's grammar. Yeah. Right. It's logic. And then there's rhetoric. Right. Right. And then so we usually read between somewhere in the grammar and the logic stage and we never get to the rhetoric stage. Right. And it's because, and this is what he was lamenting. He was lamenting the lack of intellectual thinking that is dying in the culture. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And,
0: and when intellectual
1: he, broadly, not like, Oh, there's, these are just for college folks up here. Right.
0: Right. Well, his, so his, if I remember right, his mom wrote, a an authoritative one of the authoritative works on I can't remember if it was elizabeth barrett browning or robert browning their brother and sister and um but you know one of the great uh you kind of transition between the neoclassical and romantic poets he and his so he was raised oh, wow. by a mom who was a great scholar of poetry and poetry is really the rhetoric stage, right? Like we tend to think of poetry as being the thing for kids, but really, you know, um, the, the grammar and logic stages that kids grow through. I mean, there's different ways, there's different ways to think about it because the, you're always learning grammar and logic and rhetoric of all sorts of things and, um, all throughout your life. But, kids kids also grow through certain stages and the rhetoric uh stage is basically when they hit puberty and they start needing to come across as they they start becoming aware of how they're coming across but also needing to communicate, communicate across boundaries, right? <laughs> just, just because like, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, she's really curvy and I want to be close to her. Right. I should probably start a band and write poetry, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's and, just
1: like Adam, he became, that's when he hit puberty was when he yeah, was made. <laughs> he, he wakes up and he
0: sees her and he's like bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Let's talk metaphor and simile and start writing poetry. And
1: isn't right? that first, the man's first recorded words was ha- when um, Adam saw Eve, was that correct? Oh
0: man, I need to look. That's a really I think good that's question. the
1: first recorded words in the Bible of uh, from uh, man from
0: man yeah is
1: when he yeah. saw Eve and it was I mean, like
0: because the, the, I mean the things that we know about God when we're told Adam and Eve are made in His image we're told that He speaks sure. and that His poetic speech or musical speech creates right that's a, mm. so we know that that's central to being made in the image of God is is that he's a he's a word based. Word based creature, right? And, but we don't, we, so.
1: I didn't mean to sidetrack you from the judges and the politics and,
0: and, and and often, like, you hear people say Christianity is a logocentric religion and like, yes, logocentric, right? Which is true. The thing that we don't understand, though, is how deep and broad and wide the nature of words are, (laughs) right? Mm. And so we think that means. You know, ah, good. My facts don't have to care about your feelings because we're logocentric, or when really that means we should be the poetic people. We should be a poet people, uh, a, a poetry infused people because poetry is language matured and grown up. Right. And so we, and we often just don't get to it why
1: you beat me with this right now okay so did we finish the did we finish no, the, okay. we didn't finish go, it we go, never finished go anything. go back to the separate so I, I so if i remember correctly judges represent the law
0: yeah, so, and so, god. god yeah so judges represent the law, God and the law. Right? There's always a every office has an aspect in which Rep- they're representing yeah. God. So jury that, that's jury represents people. Yeah, so the jury represents people, but they're also trying to represent the justice of God. Right. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's in it's in a plurality so every, of yeah, wisdom,
1: right? Right. We're, so we're as they grow
0: wisdom. into wisdom, everything represents God, but there's a I representative there's a fundamental poetic nature to community. Right? Whereas there's a representational nature to the way Things are set up and offices assume that, right? That they're, that you can have the office of judge Mm. and somebody steps into, they can represent the law to us.
1: My head's clicking. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having these moments now, but that really does. Like you just said with poetry, this goes back to the ontological economic yep. realities that harmony of those. If you don't have that, you do lose a justice system.
0: Right. You lose a justice system. You lose a legal system. Right. So that this, this, oh, book, wow. so I'm, I haven't finished it yet. So I'm, I'm just in the beginnings of what's this book? understanding. So this is Eric Vogelin's. This was the first book he wrote on the form of the American mind. And,
1: oh, science, politics, and gnosticism by Eric Vogelin is another book. Is another
0: book. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that's the later one. That's after. So this is, this one he writes before Hitler comes to power. That one he writes after Hitler's come to power, World War II has happened. And so this one he's saying, Hey, I'm worried about some, some of the directions things are going. Science, politics, and gnosticism. He's like, yeah. So it all led to murder, <laughs> mass murder. I was right. I, and let's dig in and find out how it was that we could step in and justify that level of mass murder. So science, politics, and Gnosticism, he's digging into the foundation. He, I think he's actually figured out what he's at this point. He's just worried about. He finds it after world war one or after world war two. So
1: can I ask a stupid question? Yeah, please don't make too much fun of me. What do you call someone who's kind of like an archaeologist, anthropologist? Like, what do you call those guys? You know, cause he's basically looking at the ruins of Hitler and
0: those yeah, guys, right? Yeah. And he's
1: like, let's so go, he, but historians?
0: <laughs> he's kind of a, he's kind of a, a socio historian uh, or a sort yeah. of historian of society or historian of ideas. Something like that. Something got, like I'm that. Sure there's yeah, a name I'm for it. sure there is a name yeah. for it. Um, cause he's
1: looking at old dead things and saying, okay, how do we get this and right. where did it come from? Okay, anyway, go and ahead. And so,
0: um, so, but, but in, in this one, he's, now I can't remember why I started talking about.
1: We were talking about offices. And- oh,
0: yeah. So he's, so he's kind of, he's saying, he's watching things dissolve and he's trying to say, why is it that, that things just don't make sense anymore? Right. And that you've got these two different major streams, these two different theories of how it is that we can scientifically investigate humankind. One is through Culture right through the the artifacts, the rituals, the 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 way that um, a culture organizes itself, and the other is um, by trying to discover what is the uh, the spirit of the culture that the 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 German word is the Geist, which it's like the ghost. What's haunting the culture? What's the ghost that's haunting the culture? And He he looks at them both and says, "Those are Kantian options, and that concerns me. That we're that that and he tries to say, um, what? So what is it that that makes it that separates those two things? Why is it that those two things have been Kantian? Apart?
1: Kantian. Re, re, just quickly, so so
0: Kant, um, so Kant, uh, said that the ob- that the um, that the the universal mind or the universal yeah, yeah, spirit, yeah. okay, I'm remembering, is it, yeah. pushing uh, pushing the world towards maturity through the conflict of opposites. And
1: they'll never get there at but, but that's but yeah,
0: like- right. It, that that there, if it's gonna get there, it's way down the road. But in the meantime, you've got these Kantian opposites. They have to come into conflict, and mm. through conflict, you get a new. Thing oh that's, that's so World, world war right? one okay. it lives, yeah, right? yeah. so it's world war and so and and he's writing between the wars right and and he's looking at this and saying okay eric Vogelin's writing very eric Vogelland and he's saying that um what would a non Kantian option be or mm. why we've we've accepted these Kantian options as if they're the only ones, and so that he, you have to
1: have these things yeah. come into conflict
0: um but but he's but he says the thing is that America it but his claim is that america though has actually captured the mind of europe because J- europe um europe it has strong traditions it has it's connected to the soil mm, and right. it has a common blood heritage in each of these different places right so you've got and, and he says america people drop in and what holds them together? Well, the ideas hold them together, which is why I'm excited to read the metaphysical foundations of American history, um, by Van Zandt, because I think he's digging in from the American side to that same question. So Vogelland says, if you, what, who, who is America? Who, what is the thing that holds America together? And he says, if we've only got Kantian options, then, um, then where you know that that actually doesn't leave us with the ability to uh, understand how the American mind is held together in, in because you've got this um because w- for him he's a German what is it that makes a German a German well they're born on German soil they're they have German ancestry they uh they're German well, what is it that makes an American well at that point, you look around, you say, well, they're American blood, there's no such thing, right? Right. They're right. a mixture of right. peoples. What, uh, right. born on American soils, well, you've got, I mean, that, that's a legal reality, but you've got all of these people whose parents were not born on American soil, but they're born on American soil. You've got this mixture of people from all over the place that, that suddenly find themselves gathered in a place that's not their place, right? So, right. um, so you've got Swiss people, German people, African people, Spanish people, Italian people, um, that, that the soil that they identify with, the soil that they come from is no longer under their feet.
1: Matter of fact, they almost bring more of the places where they come from as their identifying marks. Right. So I'm Scottish. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, I'm African. I'm, I'm Italian. Aha, Italy.
0: Yeah. Hey. And, and between the wars, you've got this growth of all of the different, um, identification groups, right? You start to get the, the Swedish lodges and the, the groups that start to say like, oh, let's, we, we um, St. Patrick's Day is a bigger celebration in America than Ireland, right? right. This is this – is...
1: Single, So single of the mind.
0: It is, right. That's true, <laughs> right? Right, yeah, right. So um, – because it's still happening to this day. People come into America because of the ideas of freedom, the ideas. So, so he says, what is it that really holds them together? Um, what is the spirit of the American mind? Now, I haven't figured out what he's going to say – the answer is, but I, that's it's helpful because you don't you uh, um, because what he but what because what he does say is that it starts that America starts with a common law tradition, but is in the middle of moving right, in in his day it's moving to what's called a positive law tradition, right? So which is bad, by the which way, which is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, very
1: and and so I think people. Positive law, negative law. I don't know if people understand that. I could try and summarize. You just correct me if I'm wrong. But basically, when you look at God's law, the Ten Commandments, it's a negative law, yep. right? It, it limits um, uh, what shouldn't be done. Don't right. kill. Don't steal. Don't commit a murder. Keep uh, keep the Sabbath day. Is you shall not work. Yeah. So you all of them. I think people can argue nine of them are negative, maybe one positive. Like right. you can make that argument, but I still would say they're all negative. Anything outside of that go for it
0: right <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> right
1: like anything that doesn't you know stop you from uh, anything that's not murder you know huh. um but so positive law would be like okay and you have to have a driver's license yep. you have to have plates you have you can't have a tail light you have it 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 forces you to define um they would say in the kindest way what loving your neighbor looks like and if you aren't doing those things then you're not loving your neighbor.
0: Yeah. But it attaches it attaches um it attaches coercive Co- yes force exact to it to what you must do. Uh,
1: you know, it's making me nervous because I'm concerned that Fowler is going to David Fowler going to be listening to this and he's going to have so much more to say about positive <laughs> and negative law and he's making me nervous so I wish he wouldn't listen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you've got but so um but it's a shift, so there you can have a f- you know some positive laws that exist within yeah the would, common law system, yeah, and you can have some negative laws that exist within a positive law system, but what it is is what is the what is the uh the trunk of the right. law yeah. and so he so he's writing about he so his concern is what happens in America right what happens in america a people that aren't connected by blood or soil um when it pushes into a positive law um mm. thing when so he says cuz he cuz he be, he's beginning i mean and and um what because uh positive law is a way of thinking about the law that the law is the thing that creates the community. The law is the thing that creates society, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you no longer – so whereas um, the – and that coercion is the thing that creates authority, right? So coercion Mm. creates authority and law creates society, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas in a common law system and within a Christian understanding is – God, uh, establishes offices and that, and so the, the root of the authority in offices is God's love, right? So God gives the gift of offices to a people. And then those offices hold authority and the people submit themselves to the offices. Now, coercive force, um is entailed in some of the offices
1: but it's very limited but
0: it's limited it's right? negative it's very so, limited. It's neg- so it so in the the offices don't use the coercive force to create anything the offices use coercive force to protect the space in which things the community is created right
1: oh man okay okay and
0: and, and the um uh, so the kinds of off- so there ends up being all sorts of offices and authority, but um, father and mother, are parental offices. Right? Uh, the uh, police officer is a um, is a uh, legal office. The judge is a legal office, and then you know, president, which is sort of a, I mean, it's kind of a, a made up <laughs> office, but it, you have the it, it's an executive. It's, it's, it holds the what executive about constitution? office. Like, wouldn't that so, be the an so,
1: office or a, well, representative? The con- so the
0: constitution is a way of, it's a covenantal agreement. It's a covenantal agreement. It's a way of writing down the, um, the common, the commonly agreed in, in a common law system. A, a constitution is a way of writing down, um, and agreeing upon what is the commonly held, um, legal Structure or, or what are the commonly held offices? Commonly held meaning held by us all. What are the things that we all already say? These are the offices that we recognize. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: In a positive law situation, a constitution is a way of forming something new. Right? And so you see in the French Revolution, a positivist law uh, version of a, the writing of a constitution and in the American Revolution a common law version of the writing of a constitution. Mm. So,
1: right so you got so I'm sorry go ahead.
0: Yeah, so and one of them is created in through and and then creates more violence, right? In the French Revolution. Um that leads eventually to the need for the takeover by a tyrant to set everything right again. Napoleon comes along and he is a he he is a a tyrant and he's sort of a blessing to a people that have gone mad, right? Wow. Uh, um But it, it, he, somebody... He's Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, man.
1: He's Elon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and they're Twitter. It's and their he comes Twitter, in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is.
0: Oh, man, we're in trouble. <laughs> um, no, because that actually this is something that... Might that be true. may, may have been true. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and then in the American Revolution, the Constitution is... is really a mix of here's all the things we agree on, and then the creation of some new offices in order to, um, move the executive, the executive, um, authority, the executive office into a new situation, right? So, George Washington could have become king. Uh, There's very little doubt amongst historians that had he said, I'm going to hold this office, for the rest of my life, that it could have easily transferred. We just
1: came from that. We we were right, yeah. close to understanding um, that, yeah. P-
0: and and people actually were that there were a lot of people that they were reluctant revolutionaries. They didn't want to overthrow the crown. They, they they didn't actually overthrow the crown. That's nah, to right? say, they didn't. They, yeah. they there wasn't even an attempt to. Um, but what you had was George Washington understanding uh understanding the moment and you know, after two terms, not running for a third and until socialism came along, you really had presidents voluntarily not running for a third term, right? It wasn't until that's right. Um, until you, you had socialist leaning, a uh, socialist leaning president that you had someone that said
1: was um, that Roosevelt, he, Who
0: was uh, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- that came along and said, Hey, I'm i st- I'm sticking in it for the power. Right. I'm going to, right. and, you see by the you know when you get to yalta after after the war and the the way that he um buddied up to stalin and and was pretty much willing to give stalin just whatever he wanted i think you you really see stalin uh, the the way fdr saw himself right i think fdr saw himself as a as somebody more akin to stalin than to the, I mean,
1: you, you gonna get stoned for that one? Yeah, I mean,
0: well, I mean, I, I, I don't think. I mean, there might be people that disagree, but you, that's that, that that's what happens in Yalta, right? He he is over there making fun of Churchill. He's he. Oh, did you
1: lose sound in your ear monitors? I'm sorry. Oh, I don't know. I'm just making sure you're good. I
0: talk so, I talk so much. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making sure you're good. You get, but he's. FDR is making fun of Churchill the whole time, buddying up to Stalin all throughout Yalta. I mean, he's also dying of cancer, and nobody knows it yet, and all that. There's mm, all, all sorts of things going mm. on, but he definitely you, you he he's he runs he 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 changes he makes he forces us to take what was a tradition, presidents don't run for a third term, and turn it into a a law. Right. Because he broke the traditional Mm. common law understanding. There's
1: so much of that happening.
0: Right. So much of that. So, right. So you've got the,
1: but you have that because people are changing.
0: Yeah. The, the, the the connection, the historic Mm. connection is being dissolved. The offices, the offices are being dissolved. Right. So the executive power. So America splits the royal, royal powers. The Constitution splits royal powers into the different offices that are held by one person into, and, now that's happening everywhere, right? The, the sure, British yeah, yeah. Empire has begun splitting off the, France is, everybody, yeah, everybody's doing So the last it. So, time
1: of the monarchs are. Right. right.
0: So the monarchs are, monarchy's going away. Um, but the office of monarch wears multiple, mm-hmm. you know, wears a robe and a crown, right? Right. Because right. he is representing multiple things. Um And, you know, this is why emperors in the ancient world used to weld the crowns together of everything that, you know, that they would have these big elaborate crowns because they would you know, conquer a new place and they would just take that crown and weld it into their crown. Right. And so when they put the crown on, it was symbolic of all of the offices they held and they they sat, they held multiple thrones. And so their mm. crowns would be these elaborate multi throne crowns uh be, because the the authority attached was a real authority It was a real thing it wasn't it, um you know we we tend to think in terms of social covenants social uh, social social agreements why is it that that person has authority well because we've all agreed to it the people have given him the authority of that office mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um that's that is I, it's just, simp- I just simply not true. We don't live in social contracts, right? We that's that is a way of uh, describing offices uh, in a way that actually dissolves them into uh, out of existence.
1: So it does two things too. So if it's us that are creating these offices, ultimately we've. We've, we've moved the chain of being too, yep. right? So God has actually created offices, right? Yep. <laughs> and we're to acknowledge those, which is what common law tradition is seeking to do. But we've stepped so far away from that, that now we're like these offices, we can create all sorts of different offices that actually don't have any real authority except that we've decided. It's like democracy. Yep. It's become yeah. democracy over a, um, a republic
0: right so a uh, uh, and a, a republic it says here are here that that you've got these many these these different offices that are held by different people at different times uh whereas you know a a tyranny says all of these offices are held by one person and then divvied out right uh well we're close oh yeah yeah and it's the the way that our presidents use executive orders now it's they they act like they're a tyrant right i'm giving you this permission i'm giving that you'd you can you can stop wearing a mask now i get on an airplane right yeah. it, that's that's the way a tyrant rules where it says your authority is derived from me whereas the the checks and balances the way god sets up the world is you've got layers of authority that are Intended to be checks and balances of one another because they each have their own jurisdiction. They each get to have each authority gets to execute its opinion within its mm. jurisdiction. But then the jurisdictions overlap.
1: Right. right. And we don't know how they overlap. So what we've done. Oh, wow, this is making so much. Sense. So what we've done is we've we've messed up this economic um ontological reality so therefore instead of our jurisdictions overlapping they've all melted into one they've
0: all melted into one and then gone up and down a pole Who's right people are above and only above and below one another whereas you know if if the president comes to my house he's on my he's in my jurisdiction right 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 um, and that's and that's a blessing right that's that's the way it's intended by God to be, is that you've got jurisdictions that overlap um, and for the benefit of one another.
1: And this is really interesting because not only does do you have those jurisdictions and those offices, but then God really does have um, a standard for how each office is to operate. For instance, the president come over to your house. He is a guest. Right. How do you treat yeah. someone, right? As, exactly. And so you have... And so you're not playing favoritism to the president because you're not supposed to, right? Right. But you respect his office. And you also understand, like, I would treat somebody who was a bum that, with, yes, the same with the sort same sort of-, <laughs>
0: sort of welcoming attitude, right? Right. So, right. yeah. And you have um, the, wh- when Clinton went through um, a communion line somewhere and the pastor said to him, um something along the lines of the lord will hold you responsible for what you do as he came up to take communion right totally legitimate thing for the pastor to say to him because that he was in the the within the jurisdiction of the of the church and and uh, and the the clinton sent the the um, their uh secret service to go Question the guy and all this' you're like you you think you're a tyrant, right you think mm, you're did. at the top, you hold all the authority, and so that was viewed as a threat to your authority to say, while you're on my jurisdiction, you know you're going to hear from my authority, right that pastor was doing exactly what he should do, which is where the authority that he's supposed to in terms of in his jurisdiction. And act as a check and balance to all the other authorities that 's how the offices function, which is why you know um the the office of father and mother you know the office of judge, the office of pastor, the office of these are public offices right, that have authorities within jurisdictions and um they 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 actually have o- overlap
1: and they actually have real power that 's one thing I, I think we really have to emphasize on here those actually have real power within their jurisdiction right. and where they overlap at too right so there's a there is a a fellowship and respect of authority when they overlap from both For sides both sides
0: right so yeah and so and what's interesting is you can have all the authority in the world and not have any power right so you you and um but if you wear your authority in in service of those under your authority you will grow in power mm. right and if you if you sin and repent you grow in power right that's mm. psalm 130 um i confess my sins so that i will be feared david says right mm. right he um that, that there's a that there's a way to your your authority comes from god and then your power to in enact your authority can grow or shrink, um, but it actually doesn't affect your authority. So you can have all the authority in the world, in a, um but the power to enact that authority is actually a, a separate thing that also is given and taken by God. Speaking
1: um, of power and authority, I have to hit pause because you have to actually yeah. go do an, a conversation and I don't a, a call or whatever. A call, go. yeah. And then we'll. I guess we'll. I'll wait a little bit because okay. I have questions. Then we, can, then we can hop back on. Okay. All right. I say stuff. I say stuff And I get in trouble what did you say? I went on a podcast With Eric Kahn. Um, um It was uh, Kings Cross uh, Was it Kings Cross Podcast? Oh, I can't remember the name of the podcast Anyway I went on a podcast with Eric Kahn And I'm reading it He He references it, and it's something that we talked about. If Baptists and Presbyterians cannot share the same communion table, how is the church in any viable place to speak authoritatively about bridging and healing divides in American culture? (laughs) Or to model unity across differences? (laughs) Thoughts from a recent podcast with Chocolate Knox. So, he's taking probably something I've said and he's having his own thoughts about the table because of the way that you told me when we were talking last time about we made the dividing line Um. Something else Other than justification Right Right, right? And so It's like it's, Wait till I start talking about Like anything that divides is heresy That's really going Like <laughs> The problem is Is like I'm having conversations With you Like it's the whole world in, Involved in our conversation And it just be us And then I say something Like expecting everybody To be like yes. Yeah And they be like Hey, man, Stone is dude.
0: <laughs> man, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, that's my fault. It <laughs> is your
1: fault. No, I think, and anybody else who listens to Knock Unplugged is doing the same thing. They're like, "Yeah, dude, metaphysics." They be like,
0: "Meta who? Yeah, You're talking about the new what? Facebook name? Yeah, the meta. No, man, entering the metaverse.
1: You know, so here, so i we, we took a little pause because you had yeah. to go do a little thing on the phone, and I had to go do an interview, and I have to run to go paint my place because I'm selling it. Um. That's a whole nother story. But, you know, so when we were talking about offices, I was thinking about the thing that people, everybody knows that we have an office problem. Right. And the people who are trying to head it off um, are the complementarians. The people who right. claim complementarianism, they see this as a problem and they're like, ooh. And yeah. they think complementarianism is going to save them.
0: Right. They, they, well, they think, well, the... the that is going to reestablish offices. The, the, yeah, mm-hmm. they see that the Bible talks about husbands and wives, and they see that it talks, and they look around and they say, "Oh yeah," and men and women are different, and they say that must be, I mean, it it's that it's common sense. So that that must be what the Bible's talking about. And there's a mat, and there's to a certain extent. I mean there's something common sense about husbands and wives are different and you know all of that. Well
1: she's a woman. <laughs> she's so, a woman, he's a man. Yeah.
0: And that and that actually feels revolutionary often right now. But well, I Well compared
1: to the culture, like right. if you're making your if you're building up your punches, um, you're counterpunching to what the culture is instead of punching where the knockout is, like then yes.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> right and so I think what but I I don't think that complementarianism tends to dig into offices the way that it could or should because it doesn't have it doesn't have a definition of reality that makes room or that has a, a place in it where you can actually have a real authority
1: doesn't have a definition of reality or makes room where a place you can have real authority explain yeah.
0: that so um because complementarianism tends to say well, there are differences and so each should be doing this role or that role because they're good at that thing, right? That it's, so it's a purely an economic reality instead of, instead of saying, be and, and, you know, saying like the, and the economic reality is in the, in the observables, you know, in the, the things we look around, you know, um, men should lead their households because men are better at that you, you know, know okay that, or some something along those lines rather than
1: um <laughs> a metaphysical question that she
0: metaphysical question that's asked that, that is all with, that paul answers each time with a with the with a history lesson right when paul starts talking about what the complementarian questions he answers with a history question and you can tell the complementarians don't think in terms of offices because they don't know what to do with it. Right? You look at First Timothy, and they don't know what to do with pause the right there I questions be, about Adam and Eve. I
1: have to give you a great example of this, and this isn't throwing salt or lying anybody. I'm going to just say names because I'm just not. Yeah. So we were doing a thing at Founders Ministries. First time we went down there with uh with Founders, and I remember Gabe was interviewing Josh Bice. Now this whole conference was because of this the issue the statement of social justice in the gospel, and they were hitting at like they were going after it because I saw the problem right. And I remember Josh Bice was talking about um the role of man and woman. I think he was hitting between complementarianism. And I remember Gabe asking him, "Do you think a woman should be a police officer?" and now he had, was so strong on everything but then when it came to the question it was like possibly like right. it,
0: it wasn't he did, he he wasn't able to immediately answer because it's not that cause the you're not thinking in terms of of offices administration jurisdiction you know those sorts of things yeah, yeah. he's
1: thinking more in, in lines of um uh what, uh, what economical questions that can be answered versus yeah, yeah. versus so offices can,
0: can she do the job or not right, right? And, so and
1: a, in, instead of asking a metaphysical question that answered Gabe's question right. he at, he was dealing more of like well physically she technically can but yeah because actually I think him saying he said like yeah she could do it it's probably not the best job and I was like wait not the best like we just got done examining <laughs> all right. these
0: realities and and the question of you know can a woman be a police officer, it's not a, that's not a gendered office. Right. Right. So, um, so you have, is uh, the
1: work gendered though? Well, that's, (laughs) that's what I was going to say. So
0: there are, there are, there are aspects of, of the office that the work is gendered. Right. So you don't want to put a gun in a woman's hands and put her on the front lines, whether it's in your, in your army or in your city. Why? Right. Because, uh, women are life givers not um by design by design metaphysical right? yeah, reality, the metaphysical they, reality they make right? humans they, yeah, <laughs> put they, they're they're too important right they're not mm. disposable uh they're life givers right men men are are disposable
1: time out <laughs> okay man we're going to be here for a while uh we don't honor women like that yeah
0: we we don't we, we don't think women are important In that way. Now, there are aspects, though, of, of the office of police officer in which having a female officer is a good idea, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have, if you have a, um, a a, detective, maybe a detective, um, and so that is in a case, there's there's plenty of cases where having a female detective that has the skills of a detective they're not on the, they're not gonna be on the front lines, they're 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 and they they're bringing um the particular strengths um of the female perspective into a case that's important. They're dealing with women uh um, can, can we change female perspective. Children.
1: Can we change female's perspective? Only because I'm thinking of um I just want to change that line from female's perspective because to Yeah f-
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally right. Dorothy Sayers. Because of what Sayers is saying, right? Yeah. Right. But, but there are, there are strengths that a woman's going to bring into a situation.
1: Metaphysical realities. Metaphysical of a woman.
0: realities that a woman brings into a situation that a man doesn't. And, and so, because it's not a gendered office, the, the question isn't, um, isn't can a, can a woman do the work or not? It's, is it the right spot to put? a woman, a woman. and there and sometimes the answer is yes in police work right mm. so if you have
1: well and, and cuz not all police work is the same work cuz not right? all
0: police work is the same work there's a lot of different things that a detective does you know so well that sounds sexist though it is sexist and that's, a, a ble- and that's one of the blessings of having a metaphysical understanding that says sometimes women are going to be better at things than men
1: mm. Mm, and those things that they are better at is not an accident. Right.
0: They're actually designed
1: to be better at it. Designed
0: to be better at it, right? So if you have, so, uh, you know, we have a, uh, a, you I have a friend who's a police detective who was talking about dealing with rape victims and how good it is to mm. have a female detective that can deal when, when a woman comes in and says, I was raped, right? So there are times when you don't have a female detective around. And so he has to do the interview. And he said, you're asking questions that she, that, that if you have a female detective to, to, um, it's better to have her in that role doing that questioning. Right. So, um, and, and, uh,
1: there's some things I want to say about that though. I feel like I want to protect her at all costs though. Right. Like that's, (laughs)
0: you know what I mean? So, so yeah. So I'm not saying, so, so where he so he said you know because you always go into those situations two detectives together right, right 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 and so when he he said the he had seen a difference when he goes in with a female detective into versus. those questioning into those uh, interviews versus when he goes in with two male detectives right he had seen the difference the difference is you got a better interview. Right. You, you, um, in that, that situation,
1: this is, this is where I feel like the, um, egalitarian or soft complimentarians would be like, see, and that's why we need to have women elders because a pastor can't sit up there and understand a woman that has been raped in her abuse situation. So we need to have women elders who can deal with those situations with him.
0: Right. But that, but that's like saying we need a woman husband. Because a, hus- a husband would be then better at understanding a woman, right? It's a gendered role.
1: Right, but I'm saying apply that same thing to the the, the detective who feels like it's better to have a woman. But God,
0: God hasn't told us that's a gendered role, right? That's, mm. that's the difference. Right? Also,
1: I also would say, so the pastor don't have a wife?
0: <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> you want the, the pastor to have a wife, and and I mean that you have the office of widow as well in uh, in Timothy, uh, in which it, you you need that's, older that's women a gender, around. That's a gendered, a gendered role, right? <laughs> that you you need. Paul makes it clear that the that the that the church needs mothers and grandmothers right of the church right Mm. that that, um and that that role isn't something that can be fulfilled by a man now that's something that the 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 female offices in the church all were dissolved in the enlightenment as well right so so, Calvin, he's having, they're having discussions about the office of widow, about the office, you know, you, you have abbotuses, which is of, uh, which is the, the medieval office of widow, right? You've got a woman who, as Paul says, has been proved to be a good example that the younger women should look up to. She doesn't, she isn't supported by her family, and so the church supports her. Now that, that role, because she's a, uh, she's needed by the church. Um now he says if the family if a family can continue to support that woman let the family continue to support that woman because then she'll be around in the church. That's the general the, norm. That's right. the general norm. The yeah. church needs but the church needs grandmothers and, and mothers and grandmothers in the church. And if yes we do for some reason um the her family is not able to support her financially then the church should support her financially she's that necessary. Um and, And so there's, I mean, that's, that's first Timothy. Paul spends a lot of time on it. And they, they discuss that or Calvin, they're discussing how do we establish this, you know, um, so there's, there's, you know, debate about whether or not, um, the name of that office is deaconess, Uh eldress, widow, uh right? Now, what we have done though, so because the enlightenment, turns offices into, pa- a, into a power struggle.
1: Or has, had, yeah, offices into a power struggle, yeah, yeah. Uh, um,
0: and, and dissolved them. And then dissolved any of the offices that aren't just the offices at the top. We end up basically with offices with a, churches with one office. Sometimes it's called pastor, some, um, it, sometimes it's called elder in, you know, I've seen Baptist churches where there's really just the one office, the deacon, right? That's really the office. And then everybody works for that office, right? Um, rather than a plurality, not just of elders, but a plurality of offices. And then they're different. So, um, the office of elder has a particular authority. Just like, the church.
1: that's funny. Cause as you're saying this, I'm seeing exactly the structure of, you know, of one, of a government. -hmm. Right, happening right there inside of the church, which is like what you're saying. If we need to restore offices both to the church and to the family, if we're going to see it model out at all in the culture, and
0: and the the culture doesn't get it, and we say, yeah, sure, the culture doesn't get it, but of course they don't get it. The church doesn't. We really don't get it. We're supposed to be the example that's showing the world this is how you live with layered jurisdictions, right? And then we get to the office of widow, and we're like.
1: this fits inside of Melchizedek. I don't know what's going <laughs> yeah, on. Right,
0: yeah. <laughs> right. So you just we just kind of skip through it and because we don't know what to do with it. But the but the church, the 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 way that in Timothy that it's that the church is set up is like a family, right? How can this man lead the family of God well if he doesn't can lead man, his children family. well, right? So so the overarching metaphor is a, is the family in the garden. Right in Timothy, right. That's the metaphor universe that the literature, the literary work of First Timothy is working within, and he's con- he consistently throughout the entire book uses one metaphor for the church that it's the, that it is the uh, the the family of God within the garden right and so he uses adam and eve he, and and he spends all this time talking about the order of creation in order to establish the offices within the church right the order of creation is god creates he he creates the world he um makes adam he brings adam into the garden causes the garden to grow up he tells him don't eat of, uh, you can eat everything except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then he goes and he creates Eve. And then he tells Adam and Eve together, you can eat everything. And then God goes away. And because he's established Adam as the husband, Adam's then tells Eve, Hey, there's a, there's a one law in here. We can't eat that. But God has already gone away, right? He, and God has said, it's all edible to Adam and Eve together. But then he's told Adam before he created Eve that to not eat of that tree. And so then Adam is the husband whose role it is to teach her to not eat that thing. But it's because he's the pastor husband, right? So when you get to Timothy, the order of creation matters because Adam was supposed to teach Eve. And so he says, that's why, the pastor is a man and not a woman, right? So because it's a, it's a gendered role from the very beginning that it turns out Adam and Eve were actually the first pastor in congregation, right? Mm. So that that's the, that's the metaphor universe that, that he is dealing within. So when he says, and if anyone desires to be an overseer, he desires a good thing in at the beginning of chapter three, right, the first verse, he's not changing topics. He's still talking about Adam and Eve. Right he's talking about how the pastor is the Adam in the garden of God's people. Right and so then so then when you get to 4 and he starts talking about food laws and the need to throw out false teachers and that there's going to be somebody coming in and he's going to try the garden He's talking the about the garden again, <laughs> oh right? God, he's yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about you got to, uh, so that, that the pastoral pastoral role needs to be a man because he is leading God's Eve. He's representing. Oh Christ my goodness, to God. Jason! Don't forget Eve. where
1: you are at, because I just got to say this: we've obliterated Genesis in how we think of even even managing the church, let alone church, right? when we talk about like complementarianism. Doesn't even get down to it. Right. The, the depth we, of this. We don't. Get,
0: we don't. We so we're not we're not letting the metaphor universe be poetry. set. The poetry be set by God, oh. right? So so we get into chapter four, and it's it, it's fights over food. It's fights over marriage. And it's the pastor's job to bring the word of God to those fights. And that's, that's the weapon that he uses to defend the people. And then it switches into now, how is it that we then, since now that we have established the offices, now that we have defended the garden, how is it that we glorify the bride? And so we then we move into the discussion of women and widows and right so it it's so paul is <laughs> paul is clearly clearly talking the entire book within the same metaphor universe of the garden of eden we break it up into sections and we don't think of it as one work of literature and so we because we all we're doing is lose grammar. The and, offices. We're yeah, doing
1: grammar and, um, and logic, and we're missing. Yeah, and the, we're missing the rhetoric. The of rhetoric it. of the yeah. whole so, thing.
0: So, so 1st Timothy is this beautiful book about how the Garden of Eden continues to apply, apply in the way the church is organized. And he, and, 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 Oh, that makes so much sense we turn now. turned it into a list of rules.
1: When Paul tells Timothy that they're in will be like Janice and Jamboree, but you, Timothy, stay in my word and continue on the right. things I've taught you. Yeah. It's like, you'd be faithful, you'd prune the garden, you'd discipline, you teach, and you're mm-hmm. going to have a great and fruitful garden that's going to spread out through the rest of the world, right. Right. just like it was supposed to happen in Genesis.
0: Yep. Yeah. and And every church continues to be that, right? And so we want to turn the church into something other than what it is. Um and, you know we we reorganize the church mostly now around business principles, unfortunately, but it's a, it, rather than the family principles okay. so but that's what I mean when you if, if you're already saying, well, a woman could do the work right, so why can't she be a pastor you've already lost your you you your imagination is already over the edge right well you,
1: it's and and I think it's that question to so it's funny because as you're talking about offices, offices, some some offices are actually sexed offices, and if you mess that up, yep. you, you mess up the whole narrative, right? Right, right. And so, but that doesn't just so stay in the church. That actually comes in the home. Actually, the home, in one sense or another, God kind of merges them all together in Genesis, right? And then mm-hmm. we see this kind of split happening as time to show the bigger revelation of what He's doing in the world, right? But then um, you start seeing these offices, how do you model this in such a way where you start seeing offices now that are held outside of your... Maybe we should stay with the home first. Go back to the home, deal with offices in the home. Yeah. And then maybe go to... Then how do we start seeing offices properly in society? Yeah, so... Because so those got
0: to be sex too. The they Well, some of them are and some of them aren't, right? Yeah. Because... So you, and that's where... That's, it takes wisdom it right? takes wisdom because um that you don't want to go beyond what god says right so husband pastor right um king and queen right you've got things that are very much um offices that are gendered right and and it's
1: oh my goodness this is making this is why queer theory is so horrible
0: right well and why it's really just it's just marx's Eternal revolution, right? Queer theory is just another example of the eternal revolution that Gnosticism requires because you can only move forward through chaos, right? And, and so destruction, what yeah. is it that we need? Well, we, whatever brings the most chaos, what happens to bring the most chaos right now? Queer theory. Well,
1: that's Kantianism too. It's isn't Kant.
0: It? Yeah. Kant is just, it's just refried Gnosticism, right? It's, and you don't even get.
1: And that's what queer theory is. It's made to depict against. It
0: wasn't. You don't even get it in a taco, like refried beans. You know, this <laughs> <laughs> is refried narcissism. I'm gonna just yes, <laughs>
1: yes. So you, when because with queer theory, all it's designed to do is to pick apart anything that's yep. normative. Right. So it, what we should be seeing when we see queer theory and even critical race theory is the idea of. Just dismantling even further our fragmented understanding of offices, right? So right. queer theory completely obliterates oh, this is making so much sense. It's obliterating men and women and what's normative about them, which also obliterates marriage, which also obliterates children. Yep. Which of course you get abortion. Of of course you get
0: yeah. and pornography. I, think, I mean, know? and I think abortion too is that was the that's the tip of the spear of queer theory. Right. right. It's be, that uh, because this is how offices work, right? You've got authority and a responsibility that come with an office mm. and then you get subjects, right? People that are subject to your office. Okay. We're talking
1: about the home right now. Is that what we're talking about?
0: We're just talking general. Oh, right okay. Now. Okay. All right. So, so, um so you've got the head and the subject within an within the structure of an office, the, mm-hmm. the head holds the office and then the subject and, um, and how, and the subject, what they get is they get access right, and they get protection. protection, yeah, right? And so in abortion or it, so in a in a father, son, father, child relationship, mm. you've got the head and the subject, mm. the, the subject is due Protection, uh, right? I'm getting it. That and so it's a the the and the father and the mother are both parents. That's an office, and the child is due the protection, right? As the subject,
1: and this is protection modeled throughout all of creation. That is exactly yeah. so. We got Father God, who's we're subjects. He protects, so we see this model over and over again. And then this obliteration. Abortion is office is being obliterated,
0: right? And so protect. So you've so pr- you've got protection and then provision, which is just pre- protection, protection extended full, over yeah, time, yeah, yeah. Right? So protection and provision is usually how it's broken down. And protection is the in the immediate, and provision is historical.
1: So this is this is when Jeff um, Jeff Schaefer when he talks about the beginning of abortion happen with the right uh, uh, granted to parents. Not to have to for birth control, right? not to actually have to be parents. he's like that's when they obliterated the the fam- they obliterated office because that's what the, that's what comes from them, right? Yeah. so when they said, "Oh, you don't have to be a father or you don't have to be a mother, you can control all that stuff now, then what they did was obliterated the very thing that the office creates, which yeah. is subjects, like you right. just said right yeah. so
0: that so it, it you can have an a head with that's empty of subjects, but it's actually not. That that's a tragedy. So when when a husband and wife aren't able to have kids, that's a tragedy, yeah. right? And and m- for most people, that's even how they experience it, even though you're not allowed to say it anymore, right? But it actually is. It is, yeah, right? yeah. Um, and so you've got this, the this, but the 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 tragic is is normalized. But the thing is, is the law because because common law it law is common law even if it's attempting to be positive law the law always comes in and mm. gives what is normative it just describes what is normative it it doesn't create law doesn't have the ability god did not make a world in which law had the ability to do that Right. So our laws. So even in a positivist setting where it comes in and say, now you don't have to do this. It's because there was already a breakdown. We already had the the uh-huh. uh, responsibilities of an of the office holder being dissolved. So the law just comes in and says, and now you're allowed to do what you've been doing. Anyway, whole time right? anyway. So so it if we want to change society, we can't say if we've – by fixing the laws, we've changed society. The, the law, laws always flow. The
1: law is the fruit of what's yeah, been happening exactly. at the root the whole time. Okay, okay, so <clears throat> this is this is really fascinating for me. So the, these offices – you start losing these offices, and you lose what these offices bring to subjects.
0: Yeah, yeah so you lose the protection. You lose fruitfulness, first you of all. You lose fruitfulness, and then you lose the protection and the provision, and you lose – the access as well which is due to them so
1: but then if the offices are destroyed and this makes so much more sense now to me too even with schaefer jeff schaefer is phenomenal if, if you haven't heard you have you have to go back and listen to that show yeah, I mean, it's to. phenomenal but you also then what you start perpetuating from then on out is then the office of husband and wife are now gone too
0: right and so the the and so the the office of husband and and here's what's this is this is what I mean by not thinking in terms of just strength power and authority strength and power but thinking in terms of offices and authority that are layered because the husband is an office the wife is a subject but then there's also um in 1st Corinthians 7 Paul says but the wife is also an office that has her husband for a subject <laughs> right so you've got they they both have um realms of authority that God has given them that they are supposed to wear and use for the protection and provision of their subject, right? So the, the husband is the head over his wife. And then I believe it's first Corinthians seven, four, where the, the wife is also given authority over her husband's body, right? So you can't have that if it's just a matter of power. You can't have your subject also be your head except for in God's economy because there is no, there's not a, uh, there's a distinction between the economic and the, Uh, and the ontological, uh, and that the offices don't affect that distinction. You can have a situation in which the husband is the head over his wife and the wife is the head over her husband's body, right? That has the authority over her husband's body, right? So, and the authority should is, is a, um, comes with it the responsibility to provide and protect, right? So the, uh, and then the, at being the subject, um, you can expect the protection and the provision and you, um, you are granted access as the subject to mm-hmm. the head, right? So those, those are the, so the, the, the love that is required that, uh, um, from a head comes, is required by God. And it comes with the authority to, that is then for the provision and the protection of the subjects. All of that is lost when you switch it to a power game, right? When you switch it to a game of who, who gets to be in charge, right? All, all of that is lost. And so the, whoever is the weakest no longer is owed protection. The, the weakest is the, just down further on the chain and, and the, the one who's strongest gets to do whatever they want. I mean, that's why you have, uh, the, the, all of the, that, that's the metaphysical reason that now you have the problems that, that we're having in terms of the breakdown of society leading to the, the poor being taken advantage of. Um, leading to the week being taken advantage of, leading to, you know, you, people celebrating the fact that, um, every Down syndrome child in, in, Ugh. I believe Iceland, every Down syndrome child was aborted and they had a party because they accomplished the goal. Or you think, well, that, that is, that is evil. Right? I mean, I, I had a, um, a, a movie made as a, is a, uh, or not a movie made, a movie written that regularly it got Traction, right? Romantic comedy, uh, about an amputee. There's an amputee rom- romantic comedy and it's a, a, a man with a, a young man with one leg who works at a Down syndrome house, right? Who's, who is you know, winning over the daughter of a mob boss, right? It's was, it was a funny movie. It was, it's comedy. But a, a, the reason that I, I wrote it, I immediately started working on it the day I read the article about the celebration of the No More Down Syndrome of no more living down syndrome children in an entire nation. Because I look, I thought about the down syndrome kids in my church. I taught special ed for two years and the down syndrome kids. Like what a tragedy that you're not blessed with, mm. with those people and with, with, with those, with those gifts in society, right? If you've spent any time with down syndrome people, you know, the gift that they are. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and I thought, I, I, we've got to turn that tide, right? And so I'm a storyteller, so wrote a movie over and over. It gets through the first, the second re- um, round, uh, it, at a studio, and then they get notice. Uh, we, we were told no Down syndrome kids mm. in movies, right? We're told no Down syndrome kids. Now I think that's demonic. <laughs> I I mean, I think literally, literally yeah, yeah. demonic, right? Yeah. This is actually that there are demons wanting us to sacrifice our Down syndrome kids, um, uh, on altars. It, 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 we right,
1: can't or, even or, get the ones who don't have Down syndrome to be, they're, they're right. Just, You know what I mean? But, like,
0: but there's, but there's literally no protections for the weak when you get rid of the, the offices whose job it is to protect at all costs. Right, that's the a father's job is protect at all cost. Right, a mother's job mm. protect at all cost. That's the that's the that's the responsibility of the office. You get rid of the office, and you get rid of the responsibility. Right, that's the tr- that's the tragedy of of the you know the the when you read about the the effect that the Chicago projects had on the black family. Right? Ugh. You, you, those sorts of oh. stories, right? That's why I said we've got to at some point talk about Gropius, the the architect that that put together the projects. We got, the, we yeah, have he, to. He, talk that he's about that. that he's he's one of my great nemeses, right? Historically speaking, our great nemesis, um, because the the destruction of the family that he set out to accomplish by means of government subsidies, government housing, right? And he. He on purpose, he wanted to undermine the family, yeah. especially the, the family of uh, of immigrants and black families.
1: This is, this is what I get. This is why this
0: <sighs> Jason using government funds. Just want to say that one more yeah, time. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't trust uh, the government. Uh, one more again. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, government funds. Uh, <laughs> when the social justice movement decides to pick a fight. They always are digging in the wrong
0: spot. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause there got- are, there <laughs> are absolutely, there are absolutely grave injustices. Right. Right. It's always been my problem. It's like, why are you guys digging here? And the government has always been, not always, but the government in the last hundred years, yeah. the government has been the one doing them. Well, and, right. I, f- I feel like. And that- so now they're like, the social just, and now the government's like, let, we can co-opt the social justice movement in order to gain power. Right. And, and, then, because the government because the federal government takes no uh competitors they can't compete with the, yeah, it yeah it 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 lets no competitors survive right now part, but it's I, been that way for a while and the black family was one of those competitors and this is why so this too is too strong,
1: strong. It, exactly mm-hmm. and not just so i and i think there is a responsibility to Black culture and particularly those inside of the movement who have seen this as civil rights, whatever, whoever, whatever you want to call them, whoever you want to call, them, yeah. there's a, there's a responsibility to that group to say, you know, this don't stop with race, right? <laughs> That's what's been right, really right. pissing yeah. me off is because if anybody knows the downfall to what it looks like for the government to obliterate offices, we know, right? And and we should be saying, you know, this doesn't. Look, it caught on with us through all these little things, mainly because of the federal government. And we were self sufficient. We ain't need nothing to nobody right. else. And it tore us up. Don't go down that way. Right. But instead, that's not the message. Okay, we can get there for a So, So tell me something. So when you, when you, I gotta, that really makes me mad. Because <laughs> no, they, they should be sounding the alarm right now for yep. everybody. And instead, there's this grasping that I think, like, what are you doing? How do you when you come in, let's just use the black family, for example, they're strong, they're vibrant, they are coming out of they're coming out victorious while they are still legally and other things in bondage. And it's like the children of Israel thriving, you know, (laughs) and they're doing super well. How do you chip away at those offices to the point that now you have a group of people? I mean, so they go through all the three stages that happens after World War One and so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah. But they were kind of like the first point of. I always consider the Black culture in one way or another to be kind of the American pulse. Yeah. On where we are, where we're at, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, Walker Percy talks about that too. Oh, does yeah. he really? Yeah.
1: I've never heard anybody else say that before.
0: Yeah. It, it, Walker Percy could see it, so he was living in Louisiana, and and um, and he just said. This, the, how a, a, um, how a powerless black African was treated when he's put into your hand and has no way to defend himself, um, is going to be the way God treats you back. Mm. Right. So so God says here, he he said, I gave you one job. Take good care of a powerless black African that was put into your hands. Mm. Right. It was dropped off on your shore. And you didn't do it, you <laughs> use your office yeah use your office to protect, to protect mm-hmm. and, um and provide and you didn't do it and and so he said uh, um that that's go- he he said it's going to continue to um come back uh, over and over. come back over and over and he, abortion here yeah. we are mm-hmm. and
1: and look who is the most aborted.
0: Right, yeah, right. You, I mean, you read Mar- Margaret Sanger went from Ku Klux Klan meeting to Ku Klux Klan meeting to get the money she needed to start Planned Parenthood. And where do we put them right. at? The majority mm-hmm. in inner put, city black, in inter- black communities. You, you, where do, what, who do we put on, who do they put on the Planned Parenthood advertisements? Blacks and Latinos, because right. that's who they want to weed from the human race, as she said. So how did So you, eloquently.
1: How do you destroy offices? From a strong group of, because there's, you got a strong yeah, group of people. A strong
0: group. So, you don't just do it at one. Well, you, they, yeah, they didn't do it all at once. They did it through a, a number of means, though. So, um, so they, through subsidizing, uh, not, mar- not marrying, right? So you say, Hey, this is the amount of money we'll give you to take care of your kid if you don't get married, right? So that was a major thing. So they subsidized not getting married. So they su- subsidized single motherhood, right? Started doing that in the seventies.
1: Can I start maybe earlier than that? Yeah, yeah so, so not just in the 70s But I think you first have to create a, a culture and environment Where your hard work doesn't look like it's going to matter So you have There's no protection under the law for you Right So, you know, you, Black Wall Street It came back, all that stuff like that But there was nobody who was judged Yeah, <laughs> right? right You got the Colfax Massacre There was The law didn't work Equally to yep. everybody So there was economic realities That weren't consistent across the board Because ontological yeah, There was um, an ontological yeah, an heresy assu-
0: Yeah an assumption uh, of ontol- ontological uh, inequality Yeah there yeah. you go
1: And so you get that And and so you get There is a reality where it's like well, Nothing that I do seems to work I do this and I don't get there. And these guys work hard, but who who wants to work that hard? And so, well, you don't have to work that hard. Here's an option for you. I think right. you kind of have to set the stage in one way or another to yeah. get
0: that. So the we, and that's that's called theft, <laughs> right? I mean, so you start by stealing. <laughs> so they, I mean the and, I mean the the history of the slave trade is is way more complex than we want to let it be. So yeah, 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 there were, is. um there were people that were stolen. There's a great, I mean, a beautiful documentary called throw down your heart. Um, it's about the music of Africa. And I, I mean, I, that's a something that I've spent a lot of time. The music of Africa is amazing. And, um, but it's, a, uh, but it's called throw down your heart because there's a, a port, the, the port where, um, the, uh, slave trade that, uh, the, the, that the Muslims centered the slave trade in Africa. Um, it was, there was a saying that, uh, uh, if you, if you show up in this city in chains, you may as well throw down your heart because you'll never see your people or your land again. Mm. Right. And so, um, and so that there's a, uh, banjo player who travels around and plays with all of the greatest musicians of Africa named Bella Fleck this is his, the banjo player's name. And it's a beautiful documentary. Just, but you hear the story of the, the, uh, of how as Islam spread through Africa, the slave trade, um, becomes really, really lucrative for these different Muslim traders. And then once Christians, and this is to our shame, um, once Christendom begins engaging in that slave trade, there's, that's, uh, he, in a lot of ways, that is the beginning of the downfall of Christendom, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that we engaged with the slave trade of the Muslim, uh, Muslim people, peoples, the, cause really there were two, there was Christendom and then there was really an anti-Christendom in Islam, the Islamic, um, world was held together by coercion and force uh in a way that christendom wasn't and so it was kind of a photo negative of christendom the the moment that we began engaging in the slave trade with them that became the connection between christendom and uh and the muslim nations uh, loosely held together form of
1: syncretism Yeah, yeah that
0: that became that really became that that unplugged the uh bottom of the boat in christendom that's when it began to sink right? mm. and so
1: Alex de Tocqueville saw that same thing
0: yeah, right, yeah, and I, um and it, so America began engaging in that slave trade and um and it 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 really undoes that as much as anything, undoes the metaphysical assumptions mm. uh, when it becomes legalized shortly before seventeen seventy six because it's not sixteen nineteen. 'Cause it's still illegal in sixteen nineteen, but it's being done covertly and illegally.
1: Well guess what the law comes into place like he said after the,
0: the law comes in once we allow once we allow it long enough, then the law comes in and says, Okay, now it's gonna be legalized.
1: Yeah, I think it was um David Fowler who found yeah. the laws like
0: Yeah, he sent because yeah, he's he heard us talking about it and he sent us the particular case law
1: because it wasn't allowed Um, for it it wasn't allowed yeah because it was illegal in common law law. yeah Yeah.
0: so because technically every one of those slaves in 1619 when they stepped foot on british uh, in in a british colony they were free
1: free people so
0: they should have they and um had had the rest of the colony said hey welcome we're so glad you're here you're free and Come then to church with me with an day.
1: office, say, "Hey, and we'll protect and, you." And the office <laughs> provided them the protection and yeah. provision
0: that they were deserved, uh, that they were owed, not that they deserved. That's just different because Paul could say, "Oh, no man, but love," and that's what love looks like. Mm. So you can owe someone, but without them deserving it. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So, um, but they, as humans, standing on British soil they were not slaves according to common law and then but then we allowed it long enough that it became that it was then legalized uh in i believe the late 1750s you know, through 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 the common law system and so then but that was the unplugging of the cork at the bottom of the ship of western civilization was when we syncretized when we allowed that the the beginning of that so which i'm looking forward to the day that God raises that ship from the bottom and mm. reestablishes Christendom and all that. But,
1: and that's, and that's where I want to get to. So then these offices, so you, that's the beginning of it. So that's
0: the beginning of it. So it, so then, um, and then, but then the particular places that the black families undermined is through theft and that, um, like you were talking about, uh, through the subsidizing of single motherhood. And then I think the introduction of, uh, of crack cocaine by the CIA <laughs> was a, had a major,
1: Destabilizing the family. Destabilization
0: of the family, right? So, so these are, so you look at these and you think these are justice issues, right? So the, so the social justice movement, the, it's not a problem that you look at it and say, no, there's, these are major crimes that were committed. I think what the social justice, the issue with a lot of the social justice things is they are not dealing in crimes. So they're not dealing in justice. We need to look at the actual crimes. That often are committed by the government, but because the social justice world tends to view thing, there tends to view things in terms of a an economic and ontological marriage. Yeah, merger. Yeah, they're looking to the top. They're trying to get to the top to gain enough power to then be able to right. deal um, with all of the problems, rather than saying the the when the office at the top commits the crime there are other offices whose job it is to step in and hold them accountable right that's what we need we act so the the um this i mean the cia should just be abolished amen so um the the and that would be along with government schools and can all go the same way <laughs> yeah in the fence anyway go ahead yeah. um <laughs> we we at some at some yeah we, government schools i think are not are, they have been they have been turned um and now the 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 folks on the right are trying to turn them back, but they're not rather than saying, wait whose responsibility what's the, the offices, offices. office's responsibility to provide and yeah, anyway that that's a whole that's a whole nother so topic, the, but I think it's
1: so the ground has to be laid for an environment that makes the office holders want to capitulate responsibility.
0: Yep. Yeah. That, that subsidizes their capitulation, I think. Okay. Right. Because, um, so if you can, um, if, if, if the capitulation is subsidized, you get more of what you subsidize. Right. And, um, and, uh, that I think that's what, I mean, when I look at the last, uh, hundred years of America and the history of the black family, I see the government subsidizing the capitulation of um, fathers for I think nefarious ends. I mean, I think they don't want a challenger, and and I think they they tried things out that now they're using widely and broadly on everybody, everybody. yeah,
1: because it worked,
0: yeah, right. Like, worked they
1: finally it. got it right, right. I think they finally they finally got it right, yeah. And and I think this is part of the problem with what I've seen with Italians, with, with Scots, with um, a lot of the people that came in during the early twenties. They um, they came in the same way, not the same way, but they came in in the same environment that I think a lot of black people had, yep. but they weren't used. They were allowed to integrate without being used as test subjects to politics um, like the black family was. Yes. Right, And that's because they had a different course. Different
0: history. Different I, history. Yeah. The, the, definitely you had, I mean, the Irish were mistreated, the Chinese agree, were mistreated. All of them but, were, yeah. Um,
1: they have a lot of the same yeah. narrative pieces and elements right. to them, but then- one is a political
0: pawn. Right. One, yeah. One, and, and I think that unfortunately, I think the civil rights movement also, um, the, uh, um, has been co opted as oh, a, yeah. you know,
1: it was from Jump. It was yeah, from Jump. I'm so
0: still yeah. pissed about Juneteenth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we gotta talk about Juneteenth one <laughs> day. So I want to get to the offices though. I want to get just,
0: I, It's coming up again. Oh, that's right. We
1: got to do a special Juneteenth. We got to
0: do a special Juneteenth episode. I got I'll a save fe- up all my insults yeah, for Joe Biden. Let's do this. <laughs>
1: Let's do it. Well, because there's a historical reality that leads to Juneteenth that shouldn't have anything to do with Joe Biden. But I- I'll take I one know. side. You could take the other <sighs> side. Yeah, okay. I'll poke this way. Yeah. You poke that way. Um, <laughs> I want to get these because I think what, every, what here's what I want everybody to understand. At least what I'm trying to communicate to a lot of my friends, and it was really helpful. 2020 was really helpful to try and communicate this. Everybody's looking at the black family and saying, you can't do that. They're using them. The, the left is using them one way. Republicans are using them another. And I'm trying to say, you guys understand this is not a political pawn. What the government is doing is happening to the whole kit and capoodle of everybody. Right. It's happening to us all. Yeah. The offices are being obliterated. You know, uh, and so it's not just a black people problem anymore.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Do right. you understand that? Yeah. It's not. Well, and, and I think the fact that, that we allowed it to, to happen to the black community without uh, the Christian community saying, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. Right. Right. Without, cause, cause the offices is of pastor. So this is where that from, from, uh, from, uh, Office to Profession, the book that about the, uh, about the church's failed response to the abolition movement, right? The same thing, right? That, that book, it shows that the church's failed response to the abolition movement was to step away from offices, a step away from the responsibilities of the offices that pastors have. Or they have a public office, and they have particular responsibilities because of abolition because of their failure to respond in dur during ab- the um leading up to the civil war and the abolition movement that failure to respond dissolved the public nature of the pastoral office so there the and but the the black church still had a public office, yeah it. its pastoral office was still a public office because it had responded. To abolition, the right. way that it should have, right? right? So, which is why it was so strong in the sixties. That's why it was so mm-hmm. strong, right? And you, the, I mean, the you look at the the history of the black pastor, there that they held a public office much more comfortably. I mean, well, white white pastors stopped holding a public office now in America, right? Because yeah, yeah. you just, I mean, you just, I, I, have you seen that photo of all of the. um all of the Orthodox priests linking arms between the two armies. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what it looks like for pastors to understand they hold a public office, right? They put on their rope. They put on the, 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 uh, turban, the, the, the hat that symbolizes their office. They take their, the, you know, all the, the, the liturgical crosses, which Protestants don't, don't have in, um, outside of the, uh, Anglican church, most Protestants have stopped using so, sort of the liturg- liturgical implements, but they're, they're, there's nothing sinful about those liturgical, the particular liturgical implements that they're using is just not within the Protestant tradition, but they are a uh, symbolic of the public like office robe. that they hold, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's the, it's the gavel, right? right? That, that when you're, when you're in court and the judge picks up a gavel, you say, oh dang. Right. So it's the same thing, right? It's the public, the symbolic of the public office. It's the externalization. It's the wearing of the public office. And they go out and they link arms between the two armies. Battle's over. Right. Right. That battle's not happening. God just ended his war. God ended the war through the public office of his ministers. Right. And, um, and that, Happen that was still happening with the black church in America. Yeah, up up until, I mean, the late seventies, early eighties is, is when it starts to dissolve. And mm-hmm. I think, and a, and it's the same thing. You know, you've got the the subsidization of the lack of of stepping away from your responsibility. The Democratic Party started paying for it.
1: You know, when you start talking about offices, I
0: think I can
1: hear. You know, so many of my Christian friends, like, they got to be scratching their heads saying, like, how many many ways have I capitulated (laughs) so that I don't hold... You know, this goes to our trend. We've been talking, you said, a couple times ago, a couple shows ago, we're probably in a 150-year battle. Yeah. That's a 150-year turn, right? And all I can think about, okay, I I don't... I know... I believe in resurrection, so I know that we can come out of this even sooner than that. It's not a false reality. But... We're not coming out of this apart from that particular reality of the offices
0: being restored. Yeah. The, Facts, right? Like that's, that's, that's what Reformation is going to look like. Interesting. The reestablishment of public offices. So what
1: does it look? So start. So the beginning of it would be what a podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, God, God has used weaknesses. vessels. Yeah, that, right? true. He's yeah, spoken that's... out of other donkeys no, but, before.
1: So. I... <laughs> Why are you talking about me like
0: that? Hey, I'll be, I'll be that if God's know, talking. A, if God's talking, I'm happy to be the donkey.
1: Um. So, how, what does it look like then for us to begin that? Because I feel there is a an, an, a need of of a lot of repentance, I think, to happen and yep. be like, okay, Lord,
0: I think it's repentance and then the embrace of the off the place where we're where we hold an office. And the place where we hold a subjecthood, where we are the subject, we embrace those by faith, because we because it's no long you can't see them right now, right? They're they're visible, right? But we say, "I'm a husband, right? How do I embrace that role by faith, wear that authority for the benefit of my wife and kids? I'm a wife. How do I embrace that office by faith, wear that authority?" For the benefit of my husband and my children, what
1: do you mean by faith?
0: That, we, uh, that so God, God um, defines the world with His word, right? And so, and He gives um, promises to uh, the those that trust Him and obey Him, and and we say, I am going to live as if those promises are true, right? So presumption lives as if it says. I'm going to trust this thing that God hasn't said, right? So and and we live according to something God, a promise God hasn't given. But He's God and He loves me, so He'll right. do it. He's going to so take care of it, right? Um, or and faithlessness uh, says, "Okay, God has promised this thing, but I'm not going to live according to it." Faith says, "I trust you, Lord. You've promised this thing. You've you've defined the world this way. You've promised this thing. I'm going to live according to it." So by faith, we embrace. The offices that are within our reach. Um, and for most of us, that's, the, uh, that's our family. Um, and then as a church member, we look at the authorities that God has put over us and we pray for them. We're grateful for them. We submit to, we them. Submit to them. Um, and you got, got to remember that submission has to do with seeing the mission that God has given somebody over you. And giving yourself to that mission. Right? Yeah. So what is the mission that God has given your local church um submission to your leaders has to do with embracing that mission, right? So embracing the 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 uh worship within the city that God has given you or the town that or the county or whatever God has given you. Embracing that role um uh, and and uh throwing yourself into that mission, um uh and you know coming under the mission of the, the authorities that God has put over you. And, you know, that can be messy because you're, you're dealing with people, but God hasn't said, I'm going to establish infallible authorities in the right, world. Right. He, the only infallible authority that he's established is the public literature of the scriptures, mm. right? That, that's a, that's the only infallible authority. That authority creates its own hearers or creates its own audience um, that authority uh, establishes the the fallible authorities of the world and then we embrace those and we live in a world where a lot of the authorities of the world have dissolved but we know by faith that God is going to raise them from the dead I mean that's Abraham brought Isaac up the mountain because he believed God raises the dead mm-hmm. right he he was th- so he didn't think, "Oh, God will give me a different Isaac." He said, "Oh, God's going to give me this Isaac back." Right? He believed God raises the dead. Right, that was the faith that he had. And so um, we look around at the things that God has killed and say, "We're sure glad God raises the dead." Right? We're like, I mean, we're like Ezekiel on the edge of our seats, looking at a field full of bones. Saying, okay, when's the wind going to blow? When mm. when are the bones going to start to rattle? Because man, I can't wait to see these bones get up and dance.
1: Yeah, our posture is completely different because we know we believe in resurrection. Right, we believe in resurrection. Right. So then, so then you said fathers, fathers need to live by faith.
0: Right, yeah, fathers, yeah, by faith. Because if we just look at it and say, like, because being a father is literally a task you can't accomplish. Mm-hmm. He's given you something bigger than you it's a first corinthians 1 7 and 8 situation he's given you a load that will crush you to so that you can learn to trust the god who raises the dead right he's he, um, that's what fathering is that's what mothering is that's what parenting is that's what being a husband being a wife is you can't actually accomplish it right? that but that's the whole point of god giving you a robe that's too heavy for you Right? Is so that you will be raised from the dead when it crushes you. Mm. Over and over and over throughout your life. If you're a pastor, it's the same thing. You have, you have been given an office too heavy for you to carry. And our biggest mistake is sinner. I can do it. I can do it. Right? Yeah. You think, and that's what complementarian is. That's what really bugs me about complementarianism. Now you got me talking. I usually keep all this stuff to myself.
1: No, this is what I want right here. What, what let's bugs me it.
0: about complementarianism is that you say, well, he, he's given males to this role because they tend to be better at it. It's like what how what males are you talking about? We are terrible at this. This is a this robe is way too heavy for me to wear comfortably. But that's actually the purpose of it. Right? Is is it throws you back to the feet of Jesus over and over and over because you say, I can't carry this. And he's like, Well, I know you can't. Come back over here. And we put it back on you, right? And that's so. It's, You're so right because that's exactly where the
1: egalitarians and and soft complimentarians beat us up at is, which is like, well, it was about who can do
0: it better, right? <laughs> it's like, but it's not. The whole point is, no, you can't do it, right? So I, um, you know what I had the benefit of being a, a church planter for about a decade, and um, and there, and. It's literally something you can't do, right? You're, the calling of a church planter is to go into an area that doesn't have a church and with your words, call into existence something that didn't exist before, right? Mm. Go make a new church. I can't do that. Paul even says, I don't have a pen that writes on hearts. I don't have a, an iron pen that writes on hearts, right? If Paul doesn't, how much less do I? Right? So you go in. So it's something that can, that has to be accomplished by faith, right? and the 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 realization that i had in the midst of that is oh that's every office
1: mm-hmm. every
0: office is come over here and reflect jesus to these people You're like well except for i'm like a broken mirror i can't do that let's well, by faith you know, do it by faith and then repent when you when you fail right go ask for forgiveness and remember what it says in psalm 130 Repent so that you will be feared, right? That's, that's what a, the, a what you want. A, a subject uh, uh, loves upstream to the head by respect, mm. right? The, and, and how do we get that? By acknowledging our weaknesses, by repenting of our sins, by, right? That's what it looks like. And the lie is,
1: if you repent, you won't have you, power. You'll
0: have less, yeah. Um, it, um, so the, the way that God built and set up the world is such that he puts people into offices that can't accomplish it. It can only be done by faith. And then we're all told, we're all given somebody over us in that situation. So then by faith, we say, okay, Lord, right? I'm going to step into this office, into the, in into the subjection to this officer uh, be the subject of this head of this office by faith as well, because I know that person that you've put over me is somebody that is stumbling towards glory. Right? Mm-hmm. That, that and um and what do, what does it look like for me to love and support my elders, my pastor? What does it me look like for me to love and support my husband um, who's head over me or my wife who's has responsibility for my body? Right? How, what does it look like for me? To, to love and support up the, uh, the chain of authority and, and to, to embrace those by faith and know, like, for gen, we haven't done it for generations. So we're going to be bad at this. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and just enjoy, enjoy that. Like, yeah. oh man, like, it's, it's, it's you know, there's not a ton of little kids listening, right? Because it's like when you first get married, and everybody's bad at sex. And you're like, wow, but it's still a lot really of fun, <laughs> <laughs> but man, you're what bad am, at it. Right? We're this <laughs> and we love it. Right? Let's just, like, just keep going. <laughs> right, right, that's right.
1: actually a really good point. <laughs> yeah, right? no, that's it's really like, a good point. It's like,
0: but so there's a way to embrace being bad at something together. You know,
1: Jason, that's a really good point because uh, you know,
0: enjoy faith and
1: faith. But because what people don't tell you is that there's there's a faithful faithlessness about that. People don't tell you the joy of marriage gets so much better. <laughs> right, right. Right. They don't tell you that yeah. at all, right? And so, because, it, I don't know why necessarily, I think it's just faithlessness is like, oh, it's gonna give it. No, it actually gives better. Yeah. And, and, it's, I was telling my, my son, uh, this, these are fun, it's funny because all this is connected. He's like, you know, my daughter, she's a, we went bowling, she's usually good at everything. <laughs> and she guttered every ball. And she was like, I don't want to bowl anymore. And I was like, maybe this is your first time you ever bowled. Right. It's like, everything you did, trust me, daddy saw you were horrible at it. <laughs> you couldn't walk. You couldn't even pee in the potty, girl.
0: Right, right, <laughs>
1: right. You know, and when you tried, you were yeah. horrible at it, right? You couldn't brush your teeth. You couldn't talk. You couldn't do any of this stuff. It took you time to learn to yeah. do these things well. And, and that's, and so, the, cause my second, I know we're going to go, cause, but my second thing was, and maybe the answer is that maybe we'll talk about this next time. In order for us to move from one place of government to the other, the establishment of offices has to come from church or home first. Right. Yeah. Which one? They're both at the same time. I mean, the because it feels like like if you kind of get the church then you start seeing it modeled and the family's like, "Oh, what is going on here?"
0: Yeah. So and that's the, the throughout history God's done it different ways, but when the when one of the institutions that God has established fails, generally the model uh, throughout history has been that it's reincubated within the church mm. and then sent back out and reestablished. Right? So when the Roman Empire fell, the church for a time took over the judicial system and took over different different aspects of it and re-incubated it and then re-established it right Um, because the roman empire literally one week to the next you went from having a judicial system that you could go down and use to the paycheck stopped showing up and so they all walked away all the judges just walked away from their posts because no paychecks Yeah, yeah yeah and so they said well where do we go and the church said well we'll take care of it and so the judicial system was yeah. incubated and reestablished by the church and then um, and i
1: think that's where we got robes from that, right yeah
0: that's that's where the that's where that's uh, one of the places where the black robe yes yeah. it comes from yeah so right. because the uh, but the um then the fa- then that happened with the family right uh, um through the system of the monastery systems in the late seven, eight hundreds right. the family need. The family has a complete breakdown because the, the family was so integrated into the idolatry of the clan that as the clan started to repent of its idolatry, the act, the actual family systems began dissolving throughout the, throughout the, um, European areas. Because this must
1: be wrong, because right? yeah. So they didn't
0: know what to do, and so the the so the monastery systems. You didn't. Ha- you monks and nuns were not unmarried until later, right? I remember so you tell me this. Is so why, you had oh yeah yeah. You, so you basically had the monastery system re incubating incubating the restoration of the family, and then releasing it back into its proper domain, um, and. Uh, I, th- we're at, I think we're in a situation where the church is going to need to do that. Um, and, uh, re incubate, um, the family. And then I think, I think there's a, I mean, I don't think I'm yeah. not getting into prediction mode, but I'm going to get into prediction mode. Okay, I think yeah, we've yeah. now we've got a, we, the, uh, the technocracy is going to dissolve the, I think the, um, major governments of the world are going to be, set aside and they'll have to be reincubated next by the church. But right now I think we're reincubating the family family. Um which was dissolved by the nationalism.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. I, I I don't know. I was thinking about this as you were talking. I feel it might come the other way around where the the, fam-
0: the church needs to yeah it 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 could be I mean, we, it ha- we haven't seen that before but God does new things well, the so only,
1: the only reason that i say that is because we haven't seen where people don't know what a man and woman is anymore right. and the place where that was a foundational reality was the church it was the church yeah. and the church can't define that anymore or offices <laughs> right so yeah. the, so so when you lose when you lose it i'm not saying that it i think what you're going to have to have is um a revival of the family that says, where are our pastors?
0: Yeah. No, you're, you are probably
1: right. <laughs> and call for holy men from among yeah. them to be appointed to these offices once again. Right. And say, here, go do pastor stuff for us. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, what's interesting is the number of times throughout history that, the, so this has happened where the church has fallen apart before, but then, you know, I mean, Luther was already in the ministry when he, was converted right right, right. so yeah, he was you have a minister, yeah um you have the same thing happen in england right it's you have Good ministers point. converted after their ordination uh-huh. um the uh y- you have the a man for all seasons um was that a man for all seasons is that the the play about um nope that's i'm that's thomas More. i'm thinking of uh, a different play but it happened in the as uh, in the 1200s in england as well it's a major revival um but it's this the the king's best friend all growing up that they got into all sorts of trouble with when he was just a prince and he ends up being made the archbishop of canterbury um because he thinks oh we're gonna have so much fun together and then he (laughs) gets converted and he starts taking his job really seriously and he and the king end up in all these (laughs) clashes and he's like i put you in because we were going to have so much fun together and you were the chosen <laughs> and, one <laughs> and then uh, and then he ends up you know he ends up being murdered um, but that his his death leads to a, a major revival within the clergy amongst the clergy and so god god yeah you know, god cares about his church he doesn't Absolutely. He doesn't let it go and i i yeah, expect yeah. um that we're going to see some major
1: reformation yeah. i think we are too so the idea of office. By how you say that, K. Sitzma. Sitzma.
0: I mean, it's hard to find even on Amazon. There was yeah, just the one copy left. Mine's so. like a week out
1: still, but it's not a big book. This book is. What else is good to read? One hundred and one pages on that one. What else oh, would you recommend?
0: Man. So this is where. So the the poetry of, the the glory of offices. Is the thing that we actually need to dig into because it's not oh. enough to get the theory. Like this, this is actually, there's a fundamental beauty that we're missing out
1: on. Like in Timothy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like in
1: Timothy right. in Genesis.
0: So, um, and this is where, uh, The Man Who Was Thursday is a novel by G.K. Chesterton. It's a, it's actually, it's a mystery novel. Um, why do you do this? You know, it's so
1: funny. I hate when you do this. And and he did the same thing with like uh Walker Percy. I want to read theological know, stuff.
0: Yeah, but that's not what you need. You need poems and novels. Okay. Uh, so, so then here's my thing. The so, King Arthur. So the King Arthur stories, um, it's the ones written before the, the, the early King Arthur stories, the, the, the poetry, the beauty of, uh of public offices I, I mean, I still read King Arthur and it brings a tear to my eye in, because it's so, it's so beautiful to have public offices. King Arthur stories? King Arthur stories. Yeah, the old King Arthur stories. It's all about Arthur and, and, uh, the round table and, you know, the, um, I, I, so, uh, but Narnia, so Narnia, you know, they, there's a lot of, a lot, How am I supposed to exegete? Okay, so then... (laughs) That's the the thing, you don't exegete. This is about the landscaping of our imagination to love what is good, to love what is beautiful.
1: It's so such a hard transition coming from... It is. It's a challenging one. Yeah. But I'll tell you this because... It's been good. It's been good. So then what's some other poetry I need to read or I should have? Let's beginner poetry. Yeah. Now you write, you got poetry books. Yeah. We never talk about them,
0: <laughs> but I've got two. A third one's about ready. I also just finished the introduction to, uh, Joffrey Sweets. has got a book of poetry coming out. That's really good.
1: You know um, what happens though? When you, when I read poetry, I read poetry sometimes and I'm like, hmm, that's good, I guess. <laughs> it's for something i don't know what to use this for it's kind of like having like a machine gun i mean like
0: "Eh." it it is and and you're like i mean i guess this is powerful it was loaded and i shot through it i don't know how to reload it i don't know how it all works
1: (laughs) until you start doing stuff like you do with timothy you just this stuff with the raincoat and it's like rainbow coat it's like
0: maybe this is what the class that we need is do poetry class
1: let's do it yeah you know what? Let's do that. Okay. I want to do that. We'll do, um, uh, what kind of class would that be? What, what, what was it? Your last class was on?
0: Last class was on screenwriting.
1: Screenwriting. This one's on poetry. This
0: one's on poetry, yeah. The Language the reading. of Adulthood. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to title it. I mean, just the reading and writing of poetry, maybe? Or... No,
1: that's boring. What's something <laughs> else that would make <laughs> Kyle and Heather be
0: like that titles? <laughs> I like the la- the lang- poetry, the language of adulthood. Discovering the language of adulthood. No, but you said something <laughs> earlier in our
1: conversation that was like, poetry is for like, um, I'll have to go back and listen, but you you labeled it. You basically said uh, uh, gram- grammar, logic, and rhetoric, and you said rhetoric is a, a, a mature way of communicating or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. But I have to go back and listen yeah. to it. Well, like I do with all these. <laughs> I go back like three times and I listen to it at least twice. Some of them are like three times I listen to it. We'll splice this one together. All right. So, nope. Your poetry, you didn't go for it. Uh,
0: my poetry, I've, I've got, um, 20 wild decembers and, uh, um, and no one doubts a belly laugh are the two names of my collections of poetry.
1: That one, I did read that one. That one really helped me because I started thinking differently about how I communicated to atheists. No one doubts a belly laugh. Yeah. Like, that made that messed me up Because I heard that And I was like Oh snap And I started going through And I was like Wait a second The realities of the world And the way I communicate Somehow are spliced differently You know what I mean yeah. <laughs> And I was like I gotta figure out How to communicate Which is what faith is Believing reality Which is the way That God has made the world Right Faith is believing The reality that God has said Versus the faux reality That's being Taken down Destroyed As the kingdom is spread I'm a poet Didn't know it <laughs> Um no one doubts a belly no, laugh. Uh,
0: and, and I mean, I just, I, am just always grabbing collections of poetry that you can find and reading them and enjoying them. And I mean, it's, cause it's just a matter of becoming a, a fluent, a fluent reader to, you know, to understand poetry. Cause poetry specialty is the ability to look in multiple directions at once. Mm-hmm. And that's what wisdom is. So poetry, it, learning to read poetry is the process of having your eyes uncrossed. By great authors.